Welcome to Leap Into Your Story podcast, where you discover your inner story, break down the process, and meet others who've done it so you can leap into your own story. We interview amazing guests who provide powerful insights that inspire you to get your story told. Be sure to visit our website at leapintoyourstory.com, and while you're there, subscribe and like us via your favorite social media network. Now sit back, get ready to take some notes, and let's get started. This episode of Leap Into Your Story podcast is brought to you by Leap Into Your Story course. Visit leapintoyourstory.com where you have a guide to get your story told. I'm Victoria Anderson, and welcome to Leap Into Your Story podcast, where you discover your inner story, work through the process, and meet others who've done it. We interview amazing guests who provide powerful insights that will inspire you to leap into your own story. So be sure to visit our website at leapintoyourstory.com, and while you're there, subscribe and like us via your favorite social media network. In this episode, we're going to learn about your passion to pen, writing about what you love. My guest today is Lee Leshner. She's been a vintage jewelry collector since her preteens. Lee shares her love of vintage jewelry by providing a wide array of styles and periods of jewelry for sale. She co-wrote and produced the award-winning Hidden Treasure video series. She's authored several books. She's the author of Vintage Jewelry, A Price and Identification Guide, 1920s and 1940s, Rhinestone Jewelry, A Price and Identification Guide, Costume Jewelry, Identification and Price Guide, and Collecting Art Plastic Jewelry and Secrets of Collecting Jewelry. So welcome, Lee, and thank you for joining us. So tell us, before we jump into our questions today, tell us a little bit about your story and your journey into writing as well. Well, thank you for having me. I've been, as you said, a collector since I was, I think, 11, and basically then started selling vintage jewelry. And when I graduated college, I co-produced and co-wrote the Vintage Jewelry series, Hidden Treasures. After that, I changed careers from being an independent producer and I went to law school. While I was in law school, I'd always wanted to do a book on Czechoslovakian jewelry. And so I thought, oh, what a great time (laughs) when I'm starting law school to write a book um, about my passion for Czechoslovakian jewelry because there was nothing out there really about Czechoslovakian jewelry. And so that's how I basically got started. And I contacted a publisher and pitched my book for Czechoslovakian jewelry. And they said, no, but we want you to do this book instead. (laughs) So my first book was um, the the vintage jewelry 1920s to 1940s. And each year when they wanted me to do another book, I would keep reminding them and asking them about my Czechoslovakian book which they still never did. <laughs> I did other books, so that's how it basically started. 
That sounds like publishers. <laughs> hey, well, it we'll, sounds like maybe we'll need to talk about self-publishing. So you can just publish whatever you darn well want to. Exactly. Say. At that time, there were because it was a while ago. There wasn't yes. a lot of self-publishing. Yeah, they so. were they were known as vanity publishers mainly. Um, yeah. Where pay me three thousand dollars and we'll get your book done. Um, no editing, no cover, whatever was just pay us will print you. And that was it. Of course, it, things have uh, definitely evolved into a better world for self-published. Definitely. definitely. <laughs> yes. Well, that I'm, I'm glad that um, you now, if you are considering it, I'd love to have that <laughs> Czechoslovakian <laughs> book. <laughs> well, in the past, it stopped. What stopped me really was the photography. Because for all of my books, I hired a professional photographer to do all of the, the pictures because I'm not a photographer and shooting jewelry is very specialized. And at that time, there were only regular cameras, not all this digital stuff. And then as I started doing more books, the digital was coming into play, but I still wasn't good at it. And I was terrible at lighting. Not that I'm great at the lighting right now, but I'm better at the photography now. So now it seems more of an option prior to this time. It didn't, it wasn't really an option because the pictures are such an integral part of the books to see the jewelry. Right. That I just wasn't able at the time to do it. Yes. That Czechoslovakian jewelry is so pretty, so elegant. And, you know, there's nothing, I think, uh, during that era that you don't have anything of that kind of exquisiteness. I mean, the Nouveau, which is pretty impressive, but the Czech was, you see all the influences of all the prettier Nouveau stuff in it. Right. So, and just, it was all just the enameling and the, yes. the faceted glass and the molded glass and it's just beautiful. Yes. Yeah. It does have a, a super prettiness. I guess by now folks are probably <clears throat> knowing I, <laughs> I love costume jewelry too. So <laughs> <laughs> As I'm wearing some today, my nice one of my anniversary gifts from the hubby. Oh, very nice. The Renoir, because I like the um, deco. It's really pretty. Look, so thank you. And cuffs, wide cuffs. I'm all about wide cuffs. So, <laughs> and of course, I wore none. Oh, well, that, <laughs> I should have. I just that, it's that a happened. pandemic for a year and a half, not even really getting dressed. I just <laughs> forget to put my jewelry on. That's okay. You have, you have pretty jeweled glasses. Oh, thank you. Rhinestones. <laughs> yes. So to accentuate the rhinestone conversation. So exactly. got a little bling in there. Got a little bling. So, um, well, I was going to ask you about um, what inspired, but it looks like you just uh, talked about the lifelong passion, but, and so you were talking about what prompted you to write your books was that there wasn't something out there. Um, so that's how it kind of started that what, of a, the Czech, there wasn't, yeah, there wasn't any Czechoslovakian books out there. There are other jewelry reference books out there. Right. But nothing specifically or exclusively to, to Czechoslovakian. Czech. Right. And even so. the books that were out didn't have very much of any, information about Czechoslovakian jewelry. Hmm. Um, 
And, and why do you think that? I mean, because that is such a, I mean, it's so collectible, it was so popular. What do you think that maybe what was the hindrance to other authors even venturing in there? I'm not sure. I don't know if it's because at that time, the access to information wasn't as good as it is now. Hmm. So now I find there's a ton of like check collectors, a lot of groups on you know Facebook and online and other places that are specifically just Czechoslovakian jewelry collectors. Hmm. There really wasn't that before and you didn't have that ability to access other people and information that readily. So I think in the past, people may not have known what it was. Um, I remember, because when you know what it is and you love it, you can pretty much spot it far away. And I remember years and years ago, I went to a flea market, saw a pair of earrings and I immediately go over there and I looked at it and I was looking at the, looking at the jewelry and the earrings and turn it over and the woman says to me, oh, those are signed. And I said, oh, you know, that's great. She goes, yes, Mr. Check made it. <laughs> and I didn't want to be rude. And I said, oh, she goes, yes, it says check on the back. So Mr. Check made it. And I said, are you sure that's not a country? <laughs> she said, no. And I said, oh, okay. And I thought I'm not going to correct her, but it's just, that was kind of the level of knowledge. I think of a lot of people about Czech jewelry and not, and some of it's not signed. But it, I just don't think the information really was where people were aware of that's what it was. So. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. Because yeah. I would think that it's so pretty and unique um, that there would be, you know, more interest. And I thought it was interesting that you couldn't find anything. And what are some of the barriers um, to... So possibly yeah, a like, lot of it isn't marked or it's marked so small, like, and just barely written on there, like Czech or Czechoslovakia. Right. Um, and it's hard to find it. So people may not have even seen it when they looked for things. Um, and it's just beautiful. They probably just thought, oh, this is great. I know when I first bought it, I didn't buy it because it was Czechoslovakian. I just was drawn to it because it was so pretty. And then I started doing some research and looking at it more. And I think one of the pieces I might've turned it over and seen that it was Mark Czechoslovakian, you know, Czechoslovakia mm -hmm. and figured it out that way. So it turns out the first piece that I ever bought and I did not know at a flea market when I was 11 was a Czech bracelet. Wow. <laughs> didn't know that till years later because I bought it, just you know, put it in the jewelry box. I loved it. It was pretty and I just, when I was getting more interested in learning more about all the jewelry, I started looking at it and I thought, oh, wow, my first piece. <laughs> wow. That's interesting. So it, and it came full circle. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> I still don't have my book done. <laughs> don't have the book done. Well, well, we'll, we'll talk later about getting it done, maybe. <laughs> now, I, now I just have to find the time yes. to photograph all the jewelry. <laughs> yes. Well, I think that would be great because, you know, it, it, that's what prompted you to write. Um, yeah. And you never wrote what you wanted to because it was being dictated by a publisher. Right. Ooh. I did write articles about Czech okay. jewelry, but okay. not a full book. Gotcha. 
Yeah, no matter what I did, begging, pleading, anything. No, it's too narrow. Okay. Wow. And it's <laughs> funny because <clears throat> I guess back in the day, uh, general was good. And now the whole shift is niche. Yeah, right. You got to find your niche, your niche, your niche. So exactly. I mean, they did narrow it a bit where I did a book just on rhinestones or just on plastics or just on a certain period of time. But the other two books were general costume books. So right. I mean, they they were looking and that was at the time where most of the book sales were in the stores, not on the Internet. They were looking basically how do we maximize this, get the you know biggest bang for our buck on the shelf. And that kind of thing. So, I mean, I get it. Didn't like it, but I got it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And I, I remember because back in the day, um, there was no Amazon. You know, there was, you, you had a vendor maybe in the antique world, in the antique, um, um, what do you call it? Like the antique malls that they had. You had a booth and you had always had a vendor with, of the books. Right. Right. Yes. That makes a whole lot of sense. Yes. Boy, it's a different world now. <laughs> and the and the limited shelf space that they had at like Barnes right. and Noble and all the stores that are not in business anymore, but like Bookstar and all the other places where you could get books. Um, they just have one section for their for the jewelry, antiques and collectibles. And yes, I remember that because every antique mall that I went into just thinking about it, um, always had just a little book section. And sometimes you bought that book while you're shopping. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> or you ran over stuff. and like, hey. Especially, especially <laughs> your niche, which is the uh, the uh, price guide too. Yeah. That would have made a whole lot of sense. Um, and why the publishers would have narrowed in on that. So it was a a different world um, online. There was no eBay, no Amazon. Right. <clears throat> Everything was on site. Right. And the prices were very different at that time. Yes, definitely. Definitely. So let's talk a little bit. I know you talked about some of the challenges and one of them was photography, but what are some of the other challenges about writing books? that you experienced that you can share? Um, sometimes the word count. Mm. So I either had too little or too much and you have to get it to as close to as many words as they want you to have for the text of the book. And so that sometimes was a little challenging. If you didn't have enough, you had to think of what to write and what to say. Um, if you had too much, then you had to decide what to take out because I would rather have that decision be mine than have it be the editor's decision. Um, and then I think when they made changes, if, if it wasn't a really bad change, you know, you, can't, you don't really have much of a choice if they're gonna make changes to it. But if it was something that was factually incorrect, I would have to really fight about, no, that's, that's not right. <laughs> Yeah, publishers are real sticklers. I know my first book, Touch, was 500 pages when I presented the 
manuscript and they're like, oh, heck no. <laughs> so my editor and I, we <clears throat> whacked down about 80 pages and they're like, keep going, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> so, but I mean, on the flip side of that, it's kind of good to that experience like you've had with the publisher yeah. where you're mindful of, you know, too much, you're too too heavy in one section, too thin. You want to keep an even keel um, throughout your book because the the thick and thin sections, they, even if that's all there was in that particular spot, there's something about when you're reading it, it just feels like it's an out of flow. You want to have all your content kind of equally, just visually. Uh, there's something about that. So, yeah. And I think just something that's really unique to the books I was doing was that there's so many photographs in there. So really one of the hardest parts was organizing the photos. And because it was a price guide, writing the description and pricing every single piece that was in there, which became at some point tedious. <laughs> like I loved the process would be I would literally group the jewelry that I wanted together for each picture and I would put them in baggies and I would give them to the photographer and I was like, this is one picture. This is the next picture. Then he would send me the proofs and then I would pick out of the few, which one, which the picture, which picture I like. Then I had to literally number them and make a description left to right, right to left, however, in a circle or whatever it was, and describe it and put a price Yee. on thousands of pieces of jewelry. Wow. <laughs> so wow. that was a little tedious, um, you know, but it was fun. But at the same time, I just sometimes you're just like, am I done yet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, you had a publisher that did and but you also hired a photographer did I, the publisher what did they do did they fork out the bill for the so is that how that worked i was lucky my publisher paid for my photographer um i've talked to other authors who had to pay for that themselves mm. so um i was really lucky and they were very happy with you know the way his pictures came out. So they let me hire him every book we did. So, wow. Yeah, I was, I was, you know, back in the day, it was historically that the publishers pay for all, all the necessity, the editing, the cover, the promotion. But I'll tell you the self uh, publishing market there there's already even with big publishers they expect you to fork out some of the fees um yeah. i mean i was surprised because i you know i'd never written books before and i thought every publisher paid for the photographer and i was talking to another woman i know who and she said her publisher and all the people who that company publishes they do not pay for the photography so Wow. Yeah, because okay. I could see that being very pricey. Yes. Mm, especially a thousand pieces of pictures and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, oh it, it took months to do Ooh. the photography. Yeah. Wow. Wow. But 
it was well worth it. Oh yeah. No, and it was <laughs> those fun. books are great. <laughs> it was fun. It was really fun. So yeah, no doubt. Of course I had no idea. Of course now I appreciate it even more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All those pretty picture pages, everybody, those are a lot of work. So heads <laughs> up. <laughs> You're gonna be turning your passion into pen with a lot of pictures. So that's going to be but the big tip. <laughs> now I think it might be easier Different because of the technology digital. that's available. Yeah. So I don't think it would be as labor intensive because I literally was working from actual photographs, putting a number one on the back. Wow. And doing a list on the computer with one and then describing it. So I think with the technology now, it might be a little better. But it's still, I mean, a thousand thousand pictures is a thousand pictures. It's still a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. I'm sure it's a labor of love. Um, It was. I mean, that's one thing I would say. If you're going to be writing about anything, you know, it's, you need to love it. You need to, you know, it's going to take you time and you're going to be editing it and going through things over and over again and making changes and, it's never going to be finished. Even when you turn it in and the editor says, here's the final, there's always going to be something where you're thinking, Oh, I wish I would have done this, or I should have done this. I'm going to change this. And at some point you just have to say done. Yeah. <laughs> just done. I, I'm still trying to work through that. I <laughs> still <laughs> <heavy>. <laughs> so if yeah. anybody tries to buy it in my books, it might be in the revised little <laughs> Well, a gap, I think there's like a 72 hour gap. So it shows it's unavailable. Somebody was doing some editing <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah, that, that might be the downfall or down, downside of self-publishing. You do have the option to keep editing. Oh, yeah. Then see. Yeah. That could be a benefit or a curse at the same time. It's the, yes, I, I'm, I'm needing the 12 step program on that. <laughs> yeah. I can't stop editing that only, only time and other projects getting in my way, but occasionally I'll flip through something. I'm like, yeah, there's not a, it's not necessarily a typo, but like you said, I would have worded that a little better or a better word in there or something. Yeah. Just to tweak it. Just, just a little, little thing. Yeah. Then nobody else will ever notice. Of course. Ever. Of course. And that's the, that's the, that's the real thing nobody will really ever notice (laughs) we notice it exactly Mm -hmm. so let's let's talk about maybe your biggest surprise or your greatest sense of um, satisfaction or reward from writing your books on your passion um i would say Probably, I mean, the reward was just finishing it and doing it and creating something and other people were interested in reading, enjoying what it is that I created. Um, What was also rewarding was being a collector since I was, you know, 11. I know a lot of other collectors and there's no way I could have done all these books without borrowing some jewelry from other people to put in the books so it's just great to be able to kind of share that with people and they were excited to have some of their pieces from their collection in the book and just being able to have that camaraderie with with other people was really nice 
and um, just, you know, having other people say, oh, you know, I have your book and it was really helpful. Um, it was kind of su surreal and kind of surprising when I would go online to buy things. <laughs> and something might be up for auction on eBay or other places. And in the description, it would say, as seen in Lee Leshner's book on page whatever. And it would just kind of, you know, shock me and surprise me. <laughs> it's funny um, to see that. That's cool, actually. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was just, surpri like I said, surprising, where you're like, oh, wait, that's me. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's funny. Did you, did you bid on it? <laughs> no, but I actually, I have bid on some other stuff, and people have asked me when, I, when they contact you, they're like, are you the person who wrote that book? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. That's funny. That's me. Yeah, because I'd be like, uh-huh, I'm going to bid on that. I'm going to see, I'm going to try to win it. And then they're going to see the name on the winning. <laughs> exactly. Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's great. That's <laughs> It was funny I'm, because I'm always buying jewelry, whether it was, you know, for the book, for me to collect, to sell, whatever. And I'd be at auctions and I'd be buying, you know, lots of jewelry, like not, not a lot, but lots of jewelry yeah. <laughs> and also a lot. But anyway, um, and people knew that I wrote, some people knew I wrote that book and they would see me bidding on something and they would think that it was worth a lot of money, but they didn't know why I was bidding on it. And so I was doing, um, uh, I think it was an article at the time on affordable costume jewelry. And so... I was trying to get these things, which were supposed to be affordable pieces, but then people thought it was worth something because I was bidding on it. So then they started bidding against me and I thought, I'm done. I'm out. You take it. <laughs> but it was just funny because people would just assume things that may not have been going on at the time. So and then I had to go find my affordable jewelry somewhere else. Then you, then you had to go start that search all over. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't like when my plans are foiled. I like when yeah. they come together <laughs> and not foiled. Yes. Exactly. I wanted to just stand up and go, I'm buying this for a different reason. <laughs> don't bid on it. <laughs> it's no longer classified as affordable, thanks to you guys. Exactly. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. That happens. That happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know. I think uh, one time I accidentally drove the price of something because I was trying to do a collection of it. And because I was bidding on all of them, then they, I had, I, I thought, well, nobody was bidding on it you before. Know, before. And now I put a bid on it on every single one of them. Um, and then all of a sudden it, it went skyrocketing and I wasn't able to touch it ever since. <laughs> but all you have to do is bid on each one and you're like, oh, you start the frenzy. So look out. So yes, I can totally relate to that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yep. So, well, let's talk about... Um, maybe providing our listeners with three tips 
on what you would recommend, you know, if they want to start writing on their hobby or passion? Um, I would say the first thing, and I said it before, which was love what it is you're writing about, because that's going to be your world and your life for a while. So love, love it, enjoy it. You're going to eat, drink, sleep, that topic for a long time. Um, people are going to look at your book for accuracy and for guidance and for help and for reference. You're also unfortunately gonna find people who want to pick at your book and prove that you don't know what you're doing and look at all the mistakes this person made. So you wanna make sure that you're researching everything you're putting in there is accurate, especially if it's a kind of, if it's a reference book or if it's about you know your hobby, any, you know, people for whatever reason, just sometimes like to find the mistakes. So just try to make it as accurate as possible and then you can shut that down. Um, and then I would say writing your book is the first step. It's not the end. So once your book is finished you're, and it's being marketed, it's being sold or it's being sold, you still are, you can't just say I'm done. You need to be involved in marketing that book because it's great you wrote that book, but if nobody knows about it, nobody sees it, it's not gonna sell. It's gonna sit on a shelf or it's gonna sit on the computer, wherever it is, but you're not gonna have any sales. So you need to also think about marketing that book and you may need to do some additional writing depending on how you're going to market it. You may want to do special promos and those are all things you need to think about. And if there's certain things in the book while you're writing it or even afterwards where you think, oh, that would be a great teaser for somebody, just keep that in mind. And then you know you won't have to figure out what you're going to do. If, if it really sparks something in you, maybe that's something that can be used for marketing later. So just keep that in mind. That's a good, those are some really great tips to definitely keep in mind. I think um, that's going to be the core of any new author who's writing on that, especially the nitpickers. <laughs> you will always have those. Yeah, there's always the nitpickers. So, uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I like your honesty about that because not a lot of authors uh, bring that up. And of course, with your passion, it's price guide and, um, you know, the descriptions and eras and, you know, there's always going to say that didn't come from that era or it's not worth that much or so. And there's, I, there's even, that's not the right co color. The picture yeah. doesn't, that the picture is <laughs> not good enough. It doesn't show the colors. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> You just kind of have to take it. It bothers you. And, but at the same time, you just have to take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. So, no, I, I appreciate that because out of all the authors, nobody's brought that up. And I, and I think it's a good idea to bring it up. <laughs> because, and whether it's, whether it's a reference book or whether it's a fiction book or whether it's anything, somebody's always going to find something to pick at because that's what they do in their life apparently is they just want to pick at somebody else 
and you just can't let it bother you. Just kind of let it go and just know that it's part of the territory and it's going to happen. And don't let it de- deter you from yeah. your passion because passion yeah. is passion. Um, your passion is on good days, bad days and everything in between. Exactly. Whether people love what you do or they hate what you do is still your passion. So, yeah. Yep. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Lee, I just have one more question for you. So tell us where we can find your books, your jewelry. Do you have websites or any links you can share with us? Mm -hmm. You can get my books on Amazon. Um, Probably other places i know amazon for sure carries it then i think like some dealers carry it so if you just do a search for either my name or the titles of the books it'll come up but amazon for sure um and then my jewelry i sell on ruby lane and my store name is thanks for the memories so um if you just go to ruby lane and look for thanks for the memories nice yeah and jewelry does have good memories for me too can never have too much jewelry ever nope nope (laughs) you cannot you cannot and of course for authors you can never have too many books either so true (laughs) true i still have all my reference books never getting rid of them yes um yeah they they we share the same uh passion of uh uh, never too much jewelry and never too many books (laughs) I have boxes in the garage packed away of books. There you go. Yep. Yep. They, well, you know, and, and somebody once said they're just, um, they're great. I shouldn't say they're just, but they're great business cards because nobody ever throws away a book. Usually. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. (laughs) Oh, so well, I, I want to thank you, Lee, for joining us today and sharing your fantastic insights as well. well uh, thank you for having me. For those who want to, yeah, absolutely, want to dive into taking their passion to pen. Um, this has been a great episode with some heartfelt and insightful advice uh, <laughs> that every author who begins should be um, finding some great value with. And I want to thank you for tuning into the Leap Into Your Story podcast, where you discover your inner story, work through the process, and meet others who've done it so you can be guided in your journey to writing your story. So remember to visit our website at leapintoyourstory.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're there, subscribe and like us via your favorite social media network. We're looking forward to seeing you next time here on the Leap Into Your Story podcast. Thank you for tuning into the Leap Into Your Story podcast, where you discover your inner story, break down the process, and meet others who've done it so you can leap into your own story. Remember to visit our website at leapintoyourstory.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're there, subscribe and like to us via your favorite social media network. We're looking forward to seeing you next time on the Leap Into Your Story podcast.